maquiagem. Ué? Yeah. He said the check was in the mail, so I came. Well, it is my honor to introduce our speaker here tonight. Joel Conger is a, you know, there's just some people that you just really like, and you can't put your finger on why you like them, but you just do. It's getting and, deep, Dallas. And Joel Conger is that guy. You didn't know which way I was going to go with that. No, did I didn't. I'm scared. So, hey, please welcome Joel Conger to the stage. You want to pray for this to start? Yeah. Okay, you do it. Yeah. Let's pray. I'd love to pray for you. Uh, Father, I pray that you'll just really speak through Joel here tonight. I pray that it'll be your message. I pray you will calm any nerves, nerves that he has. I pray that there will be a confidence and a boldness. I pray that the desire for us to really truly hear what you have to say will just be preeminent in this moment. And I pray that you'll stir in our hearts. Holy Spirit, saturate our hearts here tonight. We love you very much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Dallas. All you. Well, I know y'all are a rough crowd. So just, I got to soften you up before we go any farther. If I get these glasses on over this. This is about grandparents. I love to read Bill Derby and News and Neighbor. It's a weekly magazine. It's all good news, and I'm all for that. But this is about some grandparents. It says, grandparents, and this is from eight-year-olds. Grandparents are a lady and a man who have no little children of their own. They like other people's. A grandfather is a man-grandmother. Grandparents don't have to do anything except be there when we come to see them. They are so old they shouldn't play hard or run. I am one, so I can talk. It is good if they drive us to the store and have lots of quarters for us. When, I'll read this other one. It says, they wear glasses and funny underwear. <laughs> they can take their teeth and gums out. They know we should have snack time before bedtime. They say prayers with us every time and kiss us even when we acted bad. And this last one, I love, a six-year-old was asked where his grandma lived. Oh, he said, she lives at the airport. And when we want her, we just go get her. <laughs> then when we're done having her visit, we take her back to the airport. So that's... Tonight I'm going to talk to you. Some of it's going to be a lot personal. And uh, I've chosen First uh, Peter 5, 6 through uh, 11 to go on. And there'll be a lot of different uh, ways here. And I'm using a lot of different scriptures. As you, some of you know, I was a Bible salesman, so there's, take time at times, if you just have your own Bible, look at another translation. Look and see how some of the words and how some of it's written to give you a, a deeper insight into it. One Bible I'm going to read from tonight, uh, part of it is the Amplified Bible. And uh, it's one that just amplifies it more as it goes. I've used the New American Standard. And I'm also going to read from a Weiss translation. He was a Greek professor at Moody Bible Institute and did a whole study on Greek words and stuff and did an expanded New Testament there. But I want to start by reading, uh, if you put it on the screen, uh, the New American Standard. It says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time 
casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, and strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. They were going under persecution, but still, today we still go under a lot of stuff, pressures and all. But what I want to look at there is uh, what he's saying to cast off. What are we to cast off in our lives and what are they? And I'm going to read you from the Amplified now, and I want you to catch this. Therefore, humble yourselves, demote, lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he may exalt you, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him, for he cares, for you affectionately and cares about you, watchfully. What are we to cast? Our anxieties, our worries, our concerns, and our hurts. Why? Because he, he's our father, and we're his children. And when you've got a child that's hurt, they come to you and they want help. So that's what he's telling us to come to him, come up to him to, to get a peace and get out from it. You know what anxiety and worries are. Anxiety is basically worried about the future, which you can't control. And worries, you can have all kinds of worries in your life that it could be your job, it could be your kids, it could be a number of things. Then also on your concerns, I just put world situation, things that are going on in the world. You, you can't, can't control it. I can't control it. Then I said hurts, deaths, your spouse wants a divorce, you've lost a loved one, or you got unforgiveness. We're supposed to take all of this to him and let him handle it and let him work on his side to give us a peace and give us a knowledge of what's going on. And, uh, and I said, is God, able to care, is God able to take your cares? Do you think he's able? You know, a lot of times we'll have problems and stuff and we'll say, you know, this is bigger than God. God can't handle my situation. He can handle somebody else's, but you know, mine is, mine is big. My, I, this problem is really big. And you know what you're doing? You're listening to the lies of the devil. That's just what he said down here before. He said, your enemy, the devil, is seeking someone to devour. And he comes to us through the mind a lot of times. He'll, he'll start working on us in different ways to get our minds thinking, rolling it the wrong way. And all of a sudden, if we don't watch it, we're over here in this area that we shouldn't be in. He said to keep our minds straight. In fact, uh, the... I'm using my notes here, and I've written them. My class knows, my uh, small group knows that I'm bad about having notes all over the place and trying to get them all together. Amen? And, uh, uh, and there'll be a test at the end of this. We had tests at the end of our class, and Ted and Sam are going to give you the answers. <laughs> right? <laughs> They'll leave before I'm over. Uh, 
But first of all, it said in order to cast them off, it says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Don't think that you're equal with him. Don't think that you can handle all the problems. You, you come to him knowing that you can't, but he can. He can take your problems and he can turn them around. So you don't come to him with a bossy thing and say, God, do this now. Get this done now. I need this done now. We come to him and say, Father, first of all, we cleanse ourselves of sin, asking him to forgive us, and then we begin to cast it off. Another way I'm going to say casting is like throwing, getting rid of. Talk to him in prayer. We're talking to him in a prayerful way. And we, and we come to him, it's a decision of our will, it's an act of our will, that when we really want to get serious with God, we come to him and to give him whatever the problems of supplications, they call it sometimes in the Bible, to him, for him to take and handle in our lives. And sometimes you think, I'm verbal. You know that, Dan. I'm, I, I'm verbal. But there are times I have to write it out, what's bothering me. And, I get, and I'll get a pencil and a paper, and I'll start writing the things that are really bothering me, troubling me, things that, are, that I, can't, I don't have control over, that control over, I begin to write it down to the Lord. And I begin to tell him everything there is about it. And then on the end, I'm, I thank him for taking it and working it out. Then I can walk away free. He can begin to heal me, give me peace and all. That doesn't mean I don't have the problems are there, that, the, that everything's going wrong out here. But all of a sudden, I've given it to him, and I've got his peace. If we're walking around here like Henny Penny, the sky's falling, the sky's falling all the time, we'll never get that peace. And God doesn't want it. And we were talking in our small group the other day. You know, there's some people that have problems and worries and fears and anxieties and all they do is have problems, fears, worries, and anxieties because they can't give it up. You'll try to say, look, let's go to the Lord. And they say they're Christian. Let's go to the Lord and let's pray about it and get rid of it. They go. You talk to them the next day, they start right back over where they were. They never really committed to giving their, their thoughts because it, was, it, it meant a lot to them. They wanted to keep those worries and fears and anxieties in. And you know what? You can't get through to someone like that. And if you're around somebody like that, you're miserable because all they talk about is their problems. Uh, <laughs> this is on me. I remember one time I was downtown and I was talking to this guy and I'd gone over some of this stuff. He got a phone call. He said, do you want to help save a marriage? I said, sure, what do we need to do? He says, go home. That was your wife. I said, come home. <laughs> so I go home. And I mean, I was just telling him all the stuff I had to do. So. I got out of there. I went on home, and, and, and it was good. Uh, what I want to share now are some examples in my own life of being able to cast things over on the Lord. And everybody's different. Everybody's the way that they come to the Lord. But the first one uh, I had uh, in my, my sister Mary Ann's over there in the corner. Raise your hand, Mary Ann. Say hi. Yeah. Uh, there was five of us kids. I mentioned some of this in one of the others. But we had a brother named Bill. He was two years younger than me. He was 11. And um, I was the oldest. And uh, he was a ball player. He was uh, good looking. 
He hit five home runs in a little league game. He came in second pass, punt, and kick contest. He was an athlete. I was not. He was. But all of a sudden, he went into the hospital the day before Easter uh, in uh, 61. And uh, he, uh, it was nephritis, kidney disease. Started with strep throat and went into kidney disease. And we're talking 50, over 50, 60 years ago. And uh, they didn't do, do anything about uh, kidney transplants or nothing they didn't know. But my mother just told me this uh, really the last couple of months. And uh, I've told you, she's 100. She still is 100. And so she's still going strong. But she said during that time, Mary Ann, oh, shoot. She, she said, I gave myself completely to the Lord. I gave Bill completely to the Lord. She couldn't heal Bill. She couldn't do things. But I, I surrendered my life to the Lord. He passed away about seven uh, weeks later after being in the hospital all that time. We had an orderly that came to Mama and Daddy and said, look, he knew the Lord. I talked to him, and we would pray and talk while he was in the hospital. So we knew where he was. And I look back, and when Mama made that uh, decision to give it all up to the Lord, she gave herself, that was a spring point to get my father in back on it about three or four years later, wasn't it, Marianne? That he came to the Lord, but she, got, she gave it all to the Lord. It didn't turn out the way she wanted it to. And a lot of our things never turn out the way we want it to. But you know what? That doesn't mean God changes. That doesn't mean God doesn't love us. It just means he's sovereign. He's charged. He knows what he's doing. Sometimes we don't think he does at times, but he knows what he's doing. Go on a little bit from there. And then we had a sister, Peggy. She was the baby. And Bill picked on her all the time. One time he had some hot peppers trying to get her to eat them. And uh, she was five years younger than him. And she wouldn't do it, but he got it all over him and got it in his mouth and eyes and, st and started crying. And we all laughed about it. We thought it was great because he couldn't do that. But Peggy had married... Uh, she'd gone to uh, Montreat, Wheaton College, got a degree in counseling, and she was living in Atlanta at the time with her husband, Tom. They, uh, Jean was having a birthday. I stayed off the road that day because, I, like I said, I traveled all the time to have a birthday party. I go up to uh, my mother and daddy's, and there's two other couples there, and they want to know if I heard from Peggy. I said, no. They said, well, we can't get a hold of her. She didn't show up at work today, and her husband can't get her. I go next door and make a phone call to the Christian bookstore owner and uh, Tucker, Georgia, real well, to call the police. And he called back and said, they won't say anything. When I get back, I get a call that, uh, from Tom's secretary in Chicago, because Peggy was back to sell the house, uh, said, uh, Peggy's dead. They're taking Tom to the hospital, I mean, to the airport, and uh, he's on his way down. But Mom and Daddy wanted to be there. I got him a ticket on, to meet Tom at, down there. And she'd been murdered. So we, uh, that was like a kick in the gut. And some of you all have probably had kick in the guts like that when out of the blue comes something that you never expected. It could be a child, it could be a parent, it could be some, a friend that all of a sudden something happens. So that was devastating. Mom and daddy go down, Jean and I, Marianne, friend, their husbands, we all drive down that week to have a service at Presbyterian, uh, Perimeter Presbyterian Church. And on the way down, when I got out of the car to get gas, I just knew when I was pumping, everybody knew something was wrong. 
that, uh, you know, I had a monkey on my back that people saw what was happening, that uh, we had something wrong with us. Well, we get down there. They had the service, and one thing I remember, they sang, A Mighty Fortress is Our God by Martin Luther. He wrote it. But A Mighty Fortress is Our God. We come back. We have uh, the service here. And uh, then we, I've got to hit the road again. And I'm, Georgia's my territory, and I go back and forth with the assistant DA down there to find, to get information. They had the guy that did it and all this, and I talked to him back and forth, and he, uh, she was stabbed to death 17 times, and he said it's the worst he'd ever seen. Well, that just got into my mind, and we would go, uh, we went on down finally to the hearing, and the guy pleaded guilty, and, uh, I'm back on the road. Think I'm doing good. Think I'm, I've got this under control. Well, I go up to Newport News and this lady in the bookstore, she said, Joel, what's wrong? Nothing, I'm fine. What's wrong? I told her what happened. She said, I'm gonna be praying for you. This lady nailed me right there and I couldn't get away from her. So a couple of weeks later, and this has gone on for about three months, four, um, four or five months, Everything was building up in me. I had nightmares about what she went through, of everything that t went on. And then I had a hatred for this guy's uncle, not for him, but this uncle that I didn't re really know, but he was the mouthy one. And so I was in Wilmington, North Carolina. It was raining that night. I was leaving there to go up to Atlantic Beach, so I called a uh, couple up there to see if they were there. I just wanted to talk to somebody. They'd gone for the day. Wouldn't be back to the next day when I'd see them. So I, I get on, coming out of Wilton, I get on 17 North, and I said, Lord, it's me and you. I've got to handle it. I've got to get this out of my system. You've got to help me get this out of me. So as I begin to go up the road, I pretend to put Raymond, that was the guy that did it, and he, I got me an imaginary knife. I put him in that seat, and through the tears and the rain, I just... I stabbed him as all I could. Called him every name in the book. God knew what I was doing. And I just kept going until I was tired. And I, I just I'd give, and I said, Lord, he's yours. You take him and you, you do justice with him. It's out of me. And all of a sudden, there was a release on the inside of me. I can't say that I was completely healed then because there'd be times later. But that took the brunt of all that hurt and anger, I didn't know I had that much hatred in me at that time until all this came out and I got rid of it. And I began to heal. The scripture says when you cast it all on him, that he'll, give, he'll start to rebuild you, put you on a solid foundation, and give you a peace. This is what happened to me on that, and I was able to go forward. The third one, and... This isn't all about me. I just want to say this is about what God does when we get serious with him. Not flippant. As I was telling Dallas, sometimes we say, Lord, help me, help me. We don't really mean anything. It's just a cliche. We can say prayers, but we don't really mean a thing about them. But when we get serious with God, that's when he's serious with us and say, okay, come here. He's like, he's got his arms out and says, you, let's talk. Come up here. I remember someone saying it's like, the father saying, come on up here and just get up in his arms and hold him. That, that's, 
he loves us that much that he, he's more concerned about us than we are ourselves. He's more interested in our welfare than we are our own in there. The last one was one that uh, had to do with work. And uh, our, the main Bible company we had, they wanted a national sales manager. I didn't want the job and uh, told my boss I didn't. Another guy wanted it. They didn't want him. They wanted me. And finally, my boss said, if you don't do it, you're out of here. So uh, I told Todd to come up here now. <laughs> I said, uh, I would do it. I did it for a year. The sales were up almost 90%. It wasn't because of me. It was because we had good product. And, the, and a lot of the national account, the big chain store needed somebody just a face-to-face. -face. Well, I get a phone call after that year. My boss calls me and said, Joel, I got a call last night. They've taken that job away and putting it back in house. I'm a commission rep. I'm not on salary. All I can think about, I'm losing that income. I've just given up Florida and Georgia to take this job. And here he took it away, Skip, the president. I was a jerk, a big jerk for several months because we'd be in meetings, and if he said the sky was blue, I'd say it's gray. If he said this Bible's black, I'd say it's red. I didn't care what he said. I just, I was mad, and that anger just kept on the inside of me every time I thought about it. We were in a production meeting in Grand Rapids, and there were just six of us, and he said something, and I came back at him, and the production man said, Joel, stop it. It just kind of stopped me right there in my tracks. Here I am, a Christian. I love the Lord, but I'm not acting like one. So there's a, uh, there was an Emmaus walk. And I happened to be on the team of all people to be on the team when I wasn't in the right situation. But I was. And there's a time in there where you give things over to the Lord. And I, it was eating me down to the quick bad. So I go and I give it. I said, Lord, I can't handle it. It's yours. I was leaving on Monday for a sales conference up in Grand Rapids. I mean, uh, Des Moines. I said, Lord, it's yours. Now I want to show you what happens when you don't do it right. When you really mean it and you're serious about it, but this is where the enemy comes in and he'll get you if you don't watch it. He said, be alert. He's wily. He's out to devour you. As we were walking from that chapel to eat, a good friend of mine were talking. He was in sales too. And he asked me something, and I started to go back over the same thing that I had just left with the Lord. And there was this guy turned around, I didn't know him at the time, but he turned around and he had the most piercing eyes. And all, he didn't say, he just looked me straight in the eyes. And man, it felt like Jesus looking me straight in the eyes and said, I'm sorry, that's it. No, I just shut up then. It was like God said, you just gave me that. And here you walk out of here and you took it back. You leave it with me. He said, once and for all, leave it with me. Don't pick it back up. Leave it with me. And so when I, I flew up Sunday, I got there just as they were taking a break for uh, lunch, and there went Skip into the bathroom. Here, I got to go. So I just followed him into the bathroom. I said, Skip, I want you to forgive me. I've been a jerk. I said, you won't have any more problems with me. It's over. Will you forgive me? He said, yeah, and that was it. I didn't tell anybody what I was doing or anything like that. 
Now, this is how the Lord was. Gene and I and his wife Debbie spent a week in Puerto Vallarta the next year together, had a great time. The year after that, we took a cruise, Caribbean cruise, for seven days. But if I'd have been bitter and all, can you imagine what it had been like on a week I'd won that trip with him? It had been awful. And then God took care of me on the other financials because I still had those accounts, but I had other lines that filled in. But my bitterness was coming out, oozing out. And when you have that unforgiveness, it's awful. Now, I had Todd up here for a reason. He's going to be God. Don't, don't, don't look bad. Todd, here, that's my worries. I'm through with them. It doesn't mean I don't have a problem. It doesn't mean that the situation in front of me is gone. It doesn't mean that uh, everything's going to be hunky-dory tomorrow. But you know what? I've got a peace now. I've given those worries over, and I don't have to go anymore. I don't have to do anything. And so, uh, but I took them back. You see, I got my worries back, got my anxieties back. The old friends, you know, that I wanted to keep around me all the time. It doesn't work that way, folks. Once you leave it there, leave it and go on. It doesn't mean your life stops. You've got to keep living. You've got to keep moving forward. You've got to keep going. But you've got to give it over and go. Sometimes you need help in getting it. You need someone to help you walk through it. Like I said, sometimes you need to just write it all down. And once you start writing it down, you might be surprised at how fast you start writing stuff down and how it goes. So that was, that's the close. I want to read this to you in the Weast. It says, permit yourselves, therefore, to be humbled under the mighty hand of God in order that he may exalt you in an appropriate season, having deposited with him once and for all the whole of your worry. Deposited. You put it in there and you leave it in there. You leave it over there. Because to him it is a matter of concern respecting you. Be of the sober mind, be watchful. Your adversary who is a slanderer, he's a liar and a thief and a murderer also. Namely, the devil, as a lion roaring to, in fierce hunger, is constantly walking about, always seeking someone to be devouring. Stand immovable against his own set, set, solid as a rock in your faith, knowing that the same kind of suffering are being accomplished in your brotherhood, which, who summons you in Christ with a view to his eternal glory. After you have suffered a little while, shall himself make you complete, shall establish you firmly, shall strengthen you, shall ground you as on a foundation. To him let there be ascribed this power forever and ever. Amen. He is there to stand with us. We use the name of Jesus when he starts doing those things against us and trying to get us to go back. In the name of Jesus, no. Satan's paid, uh, Jesus paid the price. You leave me alone. And when those thoughts come at night, when you're laying at night in those bad, in the name of Jesus, leave. The name of Jesus is powerful. It's got all the authority God's given him, and it's for us to use to help us. So tonight, as you stand, if there's something you really, I told Dallas, if you've got a, you really mean business with God, come pray. If you're thinking about it or you're trying to get things worked out in your mind to come to God in a certain way, get it right. Start working on it in, at home in, in your private time, in your, in your quiet time to get it where you, you want it to go.
And then the last thing, they're going to sing Because He Lives by Bill Gaither. That, that was my daddy's favorite. But I want you to listen to the words. You got the words up here? They'll be up on the screen. Okay. Do the, listen, uh, listen to the words, but read the words. Let them go in. Because He Lives, we can face tomorrow. So uh, thank you all. Let's pray. Father, thank you that your word is true that you've given us a way to get rid of the worries, anxieties, cares, hurts, Father, that we can just come to you and leave them at, leave them at your feet. And that, Father, you're there because you, you, you know more about us, you're more concerned for our well-being, and you love us. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.